Mike, Tim and Friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned in to the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. I didn't know. I didn't know if you, I wasn't even dancing because I didn't know if you knew. Oh, you. You thought that I had forgotten. That's correct. I was going to get up and walk right to the camera, and I thought that uh, as per COVID protocols, I couldn't take this off if I was going to walk into the camera <laughs> because I want to protect my friend Sebi over there. So I was going to keep it on. And then I, didn't, I, I was didn't kind get of, up honestly, I was trying to look for a stat. I was panicking a, a little. I didn't know whether I was going to have to say something to you. I was a little concerned, but you know yeah, I guess what? it I doesn't think, matter either way. Like, I think everyone, I was going to get up, and I was going to. Give one of these. Yeah, nice you know, I think everyone everyone needs one of these these hug. days. Yeah, I was gonna give one of those. You know what I'm saying? Like 39 and, million people. And then I wanted to find some Pascal Siakam stats. Yeah, well he's so. good. Yeah, he's he's, he's back. <laughs> so so uh, to quote the great Wu Tang Clan, the saga continues. Wu Tang, Wu Tang. I'm just not sure which saga is more dramatic right now, Novak Djokovic or Antonio Brown. I mean, both are almost as hot as Elmo Twitter right now. I'm not sure which soap opera people care more about, people care less about, or if it's just me. Like, don't get me wrong here, both are remarkable athletes, capable of things almost nobody else could do on planet Earth. I think Joker is probably the best ever, with all due respect to all those who love Nadal and all those who love Federer, but let's be honest, Antonio Brown and Novak Djokovic also aren't the most well-liked human beings on planet Earth either. Save for Serbia. Mm -hmm. I had to slip up because I wanted to make sure that I took care of my Serbian friends who absolutely positively adore Novak Djokovic, and I understand why. You are proud of him. Trust me, I'm not trying to piss off any Serbians right now. I know how much they like Antonio Brown and Braugrad. <laughs> so instead of wading into these waters alone, we've let you decide on Twitter and the gram, at Tim and Friends. If you haven't started following yet, please do. It's part of how... My team and I earn our livings. Again, at Tim and Friends, Twitter, Instagram. Are we officially saying that we have a TikTok account yet? Sorry, one more time? Are we officially saying that we have a TikTok account yet? Or is Why that not? just kind of... thought. Well, I thought we were keeping that... Um, low key. Low pro. Yeah, as we but try and figure out look, the new world of TikTok. You just told the country, so it's, it's going to eh. blow up now. Uh, we posed the question on Instagram and Twitter only. Which saga interests you more? And I beg of you, I beg of you, hit us with the real talk. Like, I want you to be, I want you to keep it realer than Snoop accepting his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I want to thank me. <laughs> I want to thank me for believing in me. I want to thank me for doing all this hard work. I want to thank me for having no days off. I want to thank me for, for never quitting. I want to thank me for always being a giver and trying to give more than I receive. I want to thank me for trying to do more right than wrong. I want to thank me for just being me at all times. Snoop Dogg, you a bad mother <laughs> All right there, that's an OG. How many people can get away with that? <laughs> that's what I want to know, 1% of the population hey, probably? The second two lines are very true. Yeah. Like if there had been a ceremony for the Canadian Screen Awards this year, that would have been my speech. Right, yeah. So yeah I'm of kidding, course. I'm kidding. <laughs> 
I would thank my team and my family or some boring-ish like that. Uh, the sports world, though, anything but boring right now. This damn thing keeps you on your toes like high urinals. And it's not just Antonio or Joker. The Leafs get a win over the reeling Oilers. Does that send Edmonton deeper into the weeds, deeper into trade talks in the hopes of shaking things up? I think I might have a solution for the Oilers. We will examine said solution in First Things First and with Elliot Friedman. The Raptors still undefeated in 2022. And is Pascal Siakam playing the best basketball of his life right now? Those were the numbers that I was looking up when we came up on this show. And yet another installment of Do You Still Trust the Lakers? with the one Kenny Smith. And with the first ever Game 17 of the NFL season on the horizon, Donovan Bennett joins us to discuss if Antonio Brown's saga actually hurts the Bucks more than anyone is letting on. All that, all that plus how the government of Ontario thinks that high school basketball is elite, but university basketball isn't elite. We'll explain. We'll try to explain coming up later on this Thursday edition of Tim and Friends. But as always, we start with Jesse Rubinoff and first things first. So let's let it loose, Pear Juice. <laughs> first things first. first. Never fail to impress me. Good. Day after day after day. Pear um, Juice is a solid poll. Yeah, that's it's very good. I just had to think of something that rhymed with Pear Juice. I don't even remember what it was. It was 30 loose. seconds ago. Right, okay. Let it loose, Pear Juice. Um, the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, well, You're a little bit of a juggernaut juice. right now. <laughs> um, the Oilers playing a little loose perhaps last night, allowing four goals. Eh, they, were, they were pretty good. One well, empty they netter, yeah. Some uh, bad Leafs now. have outscored their opponents 20-7 to uh, during their four-game winning streak. Zach Hyman returned to Scotiabank Arena for a homecoming, but uh, waved to the Tarps, I guess, at Scotiabank <laughs> Arena. No fans there to celebrate with. Jack Campbell made 28 saves to pick up his 17th win of the season, tied for the second most in the NHL. Timmy, what's your biggest takeaway from last night's game? I, I know there are people who have to draw conclusions from every single game, but I feel like at least for the Oilers, this was one of those games where it's hard to draw conclusions from. Like, it felt like there were some bad bounces that went against the Oilers and some good bounces that went for the Toronto Maple yeah. Leafs last night. And if you're an Oilers fan and you were just watching this one game in a vacuum, like it wasn't all that. I'm not for moral victories all that much, especially in the middle of a slide like this, but you're not saying, oh, dear God, we've got to change something. Mike Smith was okay yeah. in his return. Like There was nothing egregious about the effort that the Oilers put forward last night. You're not questioning their effort, but the unfortunate thing for the Edmonton Oilers is you're now suddenly in a big hole. Like if this was a three-game losing streak or, uh, or they had lost back-to-back -back games or they hadn't lost 11 of 13, then... You could say, okay, yeah, they had a good effort as a whatever. You didn't play with McDavid last night. So, yes, I understand. But now they're on the cusp of – they're in the wild card spot right now. They're on the cusp of being out of the playoffs. So you can't really address it on a game-by-game -game basis anymore. Now you have to look at the sum of the parts, and they have been bad. They so, are now bad. So if, you're, if you were panicking before, you're panicking more now? Like, I don't know what – like, last night – Yes, I think well, yes. we've addressed the fact that they haven't been good since it's still their a loss. Though. My point is it's still a loss. And I understand that it's kind of like a schedule loss because they're playing without their best player. And I get that. No, I'm not saying it's, I said it was a bad luck loss. Yeah. It was just a couple of bounces here or there. And who do you really want to blame that on? 
I don't think there's any. I mean, sometimes you're right. There's sometimes you play a game and there just aren't that many. There, there's nobody really to blame it on. The Leafs were more, are puck, more talented team. They're more talented team last night based well, on McDavid not McDavid, playing. Yeah. So, yeah, but I mean, it, it speaks to and a Barry. greater issue this season. And we have talked now ad nauseum about how bad the Edmonton Oilers were and how a shakeup needs to be made. And So uh, you think that's where you want to go here? Because uh, I'm, I'm wondering about, like, last night, if you were just, like, what, what my biggest takeaway from last night was the question. Is there, there is none. none. No. no. What your biggest takeaway from the last little while is a different question, and I'm right there with you. Yeah, you can't there look ne- at it with a microscope last night. There needs to be a shakeup. Yeah, but, like, it's a goalie or, or, or bust. Like, this is the issue. Like, there's, what are they going to do? This is I, the unfortunate part. I think that, listen, I don't, know, I don't know if Mike Smith at 39 can drag them out. I don't know if Stuart Skinner can drag them out as a rookie. I don't know if Miko Koskinen can get past what he went through. Let me throw one name out. Listen, I've heard the Marc-Andre Fleury and his $7 million salary. I've heard the Carey Price floated out there. Making ten and a half cap hit. If you have zero cap space, how the hell are the Oilers going to make that deal unless they're trading Leon Draisaitl yeah. or Darnell Nurse, which I don't think they're doing. You can't make. You literally cannot make those deals unless you put together as much going the other way in return. Now you could put together three guys that make. $7 million and find a way. Maybe someone will take Koskinen's expiring contract. I don't know if that's Chicago. Would the LA Kings give up Jonathan Quick? How about Gorgiev? How about the New York Rangers with Igor Shosturkin, who looks like he is real deal? Could the Rangers and Gorgiev be the solution for the Edmonton Oilers? Well, I think Shosturkin, he went he was off. Uh, he wasn't playing for a little bit there, and Georgiev stepped in, and he was pretty good. So I think when you're a good team like the Rangers are, and you're hoping to make a run this year, I think you like having that depth in net. I think it's a luxury for a very good hockey team. So, uh, I mean, there's a bunch of goalies you could go through. You could go through Georgiev, Braden Holpe, Chris Drieger. Uh, what about Varlamov with the New York Islanders who are struggling? There are goalies out there, but it's a, how do you make it work? I don't know if an older goalie that you're taking a flyer on and, like, say, Braden, I know he's been better this year, and say Braden Holpe is any different than Mike Smith. I know. <laughs> so why I bring up Gorgiev is because he's young and maybe you can grow a little older with him. And maybe this is a piece that could stick for a while. And maybe this is the kind of player that you would give up, I don't know, a second or first-round pick for? Yeah, I think a, I think a first-round pick is going to have to go the other way. And that's... What's crazy here? It's because that's a pretty stiff price to pay. But if you're Kenny Holland, you have a decision to make here. You're on the cusp of the playoffs now. Are you willing to burn a year of Connor McDavid? Or are you willing to part with a semblance Listen, of your he, future? They, sat, they basically stood pat last year, and he said, I got to examine these things. He's standing pat no, right now. No one is signing in Edmonton for less th- than market value you've got to go it's the exact same situation that a lot of Canadian teams are in in the NBA Major League Baseball sometimes you just got to get that versus via a trade because no one's going to sign in Canada for less money mm-hmm. it's always going to be an EST an Edmonton sales tax and that's <laughs> why Darnell Nurse is a nine True. million dollar player so I think you got to go out and get it via trade and if you got to go out get it via trade sometimes you got to overpay so i think we we agreed yesterday that dave tippett like that would just be a case of shuffling the deck chairs right if the oilers were to let him go like how much of a bump can 
that really do, and they've had a ton of different head coaches in Edmonton. But I want to get your opinion on one thing. The Oilers are 10-0-0 when they score the first goal in hockey games. But they also are last in the league in scoring first. So how much of that has to do with coaching, and why can't they just score first? Because 10 games, when you've played over 30 games, is not enough. I don't know, but when I heard they had a bunch of COVID problems, I bet on the Leafs leading after 10 <laughs> minutes yesterday. Listen, the Oilers had given up the first goal in 20 of 24 games. The Leafs were flying high. The Oilers had, and I had them, I think the Leafs were plus 180 to be up after 10 minutes. And do you know when the Edmonton Oilers evened the score in that game? Tell me. Do you know when it became 1-1? No, I don't have the score sheet. The 9.58 mark. There you go. I was two seconds away (laughs) from cashing that bet, which I thought was a very smart one. You're shorthanded. You always give up the first goal. Like, this was a very smart pick. Yeah. I know. And I was two seconds away. Just brutal. I know that's that Sportsnet bets and Sportsnet. I think Tim and friends too uh, sort of had a collaboration last night with the Leafs beating the Oilers and the Raptors beating the Bucks. Mm. So one natural segue. Let's shift our focus to the Toronto Raptors. No, whoa, whoa, what, 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 hold on a second here. Fine. You're jumping the gun. Fine. First off, you didn't even stop on the Gorgiev. I guarantee you. I'm looking at you, Edmonton. That name is going to come up a little bit. Just because Jesse Rubinoff didn't bite doesn't mean that I don't think that that's going you don't to happen. Think it's a luxury? And or and or this will be one of the most talked about things in the next little while. Ooh, I, like that. I also I like that. think okay. Okay. that the Toronto Maple Leafs. No, I don't think statistically the Toronto Maple Leafs are a top three defensive okay. team in the National Hockey League. And I just wanted to throw out to you, Jesse Rubinoff. Is that because the Leafs' defense has magically found some sort of special sauce that Sheldon... We had Kyle Dubas on the show Mm -hmm. at the start of the year and I asked him if he had revamped the Leafs' defense enough to make them better when it mattered the most. And he said, under Sheldon Keefe, our team defense, we believe, is good enough to compete when it matters most. And... So far, so good. We just showed you that they're third in the National Hockey League in goals against. Mm -hmm. So I tried to go and figure out, like, is this better team defense or is this Jack Campbell? And let me tell you something. Jack Campbell's putting up Vezina numbers. Whatever You can say whatever the hell you want in any place in this country. He leads the NHL in save percentage. He leads the NHL in goals against average. He's second in wins. And his goal saved above expected, which tries to tell you whether or not it's the goalie or the team defense, suggests that Jack Campbell's the best goalie on planet Earth right now. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to get an argument on me, but what's going to happen is people are going to say we're being Toronto-centric, but it is a fact. No, I no, believe this, he, he, hold on. Stop. Stop that for a second. He's first in goals against, save percentage, and goals saved above expected. That's, that's facts. There's nothing else to that. Do you remember at the beginning of the year? How was that Toronto-centric? No, no, I, I understand that first? it's facts, but you, you realize that the rest of the – you're going to have Oilers fans and Flames fans and Canucks fans now writing in and saying, well, it's, he's, it's not a full season for Jack Campbell. To which I will say we were here at the beginning of the season. We said, when is Jack Campbell going to be considered the real deal? Because now he has the best save percentage and the best goals against average since February of 2020. Like, at what point are you willing to say it's not just a 30-game sample size in this season? It's more than that. 
Right. He's that good. Because people look and think, okay, so what is his career high in games played? What are his career high? And he hasn't played the full season. He's going to play the full season. But if you put the numbers together with the Leafs under Sheldon Keefe, yes. his numbers are among the best in the NHL, which for a Leafs goaltender is near Marie. It's crazy. Shocking. I believe he's second favorite right now uh, in terms of Vesna odds. Behind Basel, that's three. A Leafs goaltender is tops in the NHL in save percent, goals against average, and goal saved above expected. Yeah. And those are just the numbers. You can't argue. Men lie, women lie, numbers don't. It's now, whether or not he can keep them up, I'll have that conversation yeah, it's with weird. the rest of Canada. It's almost like it's been sort of expected because he's almost had this success since he became the starter for the Leafs. And he really, like, there's been a couple games here and there where he hasn't been good. But there hasn't been a prolonged slump basically for a year and a half now there's been a couple of hiccups a couple, where but it seems like he lost his confidence so we'll have to see maybe if they hit some adversity again how he responds but as of right now numbers and numbers yeah all right now you can go on to the raptors I'm all right sorry. now let's go to the raptors uh, from one toronto team to the next the toronto raptors took down the milwaukee bucks last night for their fourth straight win the defending champs were down Giannis Antetokounmpo as well as head coach Mike Budenholzer due to COVID protocols. Milwaukee scored 77 points in the first half, but the Raps were able to shut it down the rest of the way. Big turnaround. Pascal Siakam at a game high, 33 points, adding six dimes and five boards. Freddie Van Vliet scored 19. Timmy, we talked about Fred yesterday. What about Pascal? Should we be showing him more love? Yeah, we kind of said this too yesterday where it's been overshadowed by the Fred Van Vliet for All-Star, what Pascal Siakam has been able to do yeah. since he's returned from COVID. And the numbers are, are pretty impressive. And I think this is a really important time for Pascal Siakam, the Toronto Raptors, and the Toronto Raptor fans who have been pretty damn hard on Pascal Siakam. These are the numbers. They are legit. And let me point out not only the rebounds per game, but the assists per game. Right? Like 6.6 assists for a 6'10 dude, you don't see that very often. If he's able to do that on the regular, this is legitimate, real deal what you are paying for. But I understand Raptor fans who want to see this long term. You need to find out that when surrounded by healthy, able bodied players, if Pascal Siakam is just a really good third option mm-hmm. like he was on the championship team. Or he can be a guy that can lead you to the promised land. And over the last little while, this might be the best basketball we have ever seen from Pascal Siakam. And that's not hyperbole. You want to see this over a longer period of time. But this big three of Freddie, who's played unbelievably well. Pascal, who has been really good over the last little while. And may even stretch back beyond the five game. Mm -hmm. And OG Ananobi still trying to find his space. This is going to tell you what the Toronto Raptors are going to be for the next little while. And what you're seeing right now from Freddie is basically Kyle Lowry plus Mm. and Pascal Siakam, maybe the best basketball of his career. This bodes well for what the Raptors can do moving forward, especially with some of the contracts that you have them under. No question. Even though Pascal's is high. Pascal's is high, but he, he's making tangible differences with the way that he's playing. Like, it's not just uh, suddenly he's found something. Like, three-pointers were up two years ago. They were still up 
last year relative to the rest of his career. Now he's taking fewer three-pointers, and what he's doing is doing things that he is good at, and that involves mid-range, transition. So he's doing less of what was expected of him as a wing. Now he's playing more as a big because they have the five guys, right? They're playing the five guards and forwards. There's no real center. There's no true center. He's forced yeah, to play bigger. No, no true big. I mean, listen, the game is changing. I understand that. But the 6.6 .6 assists is something different. That shows the ball handling and the ability to get to the rim, right? Like, it's not as if he's camped out in the paint and playing post uh, offense. No, no. no he, he is putting the ball on the deck and getting to the rim. And if he is surrounded, he is finding open players. And that is Pascal Siakam at his best. And what we've seen over the last little while, I'm really impressed with. No question about it. I think the sky's the limit for the Raptors. Top five? Let's go. Top six? What are the numbers? So the four straight. <laughs> so actually, so the next three games are the Jazz, the Pelicans, and the Suns. But um, if you, I mean, they're two games back of the Sixers for fifth in the East. I mean, I don't know what the hell. I don't know what the hell the East is. You don't know what anybody is. That's no. the problem. No, I mean, it's going to be really interesting. So when you're saying, like, what sky's the limit, I don't want that just to be hyperbole and whether or not it will actually happen. Hey, if they continue to play the way they're playing right now, that was a, that was a pretty impressive win. And if they can stay healthy. No question. Yeah. All right, listen, we've still got AB. We've still got Joker. We've still got Donovan Bennett, who will join me to discuss why Ontario doesn't consider university athletes elite. Uh, Elliot Friedman <laughs> stops by for his weekly visit. And up next, we'll talk some basketball. Kenny Smith is dropping by. We'll ask him about Pascal Siakam and his weekly Do You Now Believe in the Lakers? He's always believed in the Lakers. Do You Now Not Believe in the Lakers? It's Tim and Friends on a Thursday, which I've been told is the day before Friday. <laughs> we are proud to select from the University of Michigan, Owen Power. So it seems like there's almost a limitless ceiling for Owen Power. Across the power, high shot scores! Owen Power, power play goal! This is a great, great player that people want to see out there playing, and I think that's why there's a lot of excitement about tonight. Irving handling it, Hezzy, and the bucket goes! Kyrie Saucy! Oh man, it felt amazing, man. I don't want to take this for granted. Um, you know, long time coming. And here it comes down. One more time to a kicker. And, oh, he hits the upright again. That's impossible. The Bears' season's going to end on a double doink. Oh, my goodness. Still to come, more on Antonio Brown, more on Novak Djokovic, and an NBA doubleheader on Sportsnet 1 tonight, starting with R.J. Barrett and the Knicks hosting the Celtics. That'll be followed by the Clippers and the Suns. And, of course, it all starts with the NBA on TNT crew. Ernie, Kenny, Chuck, Shaq, 7 p.m. Eastern on Sportsnet 1 and TNT. And speaking of that crew, our friend Kenny the Jet Smith joins us right now. So you get a little sneak peek of the show from Kenny's uh, hotel room in Atlanta. Welcome back to the show, Kenny. How are you, man? Man, good to see you. Good to see you, brother. Have you ever had an Antonio Brown situation on any one of your basketball teams? Has any dude ever said, love, peace, and hair grease, I'm out? Unfortunately, yes. At, at, um, at the pro level, yeah. Vernon Maxwell. All right. He left, he left the team during the middle of the playoffs, and uh, I tried to run him down. I ran to the airport, 
to try to get him to come back, and he had already got on the flight back to Houston, and then he got suspended for the rest of the playoffs and wasn't on the team. If, he left in the middle of the playoffs. If you said. had have got him at the airport, do you think, and listen, for those who don't remember him, the kids out there, they called him Mad Max. Would you yes. have been able to get him out of the situation where he was done? Yes. Yes. I was his, I was his voice of reason. You know, you know how you have the the good devil and the bad devil on yes. your shoulders have pictures. I was the good devil. I was the good I was a good angel. So I can always run and, and talk him off the ledge. For some reason he always, you know, respected what I said in a calming manner. So I could have talked him off the ledge and I I was so upset. I actually screamed at one of his friends who was actually there. It was in Utah. Uh, for letting him leave the room without talking to me because uh, he knew that I could have convinced <laughs> Max not to leave the team or do an A-B. Uh, all right, so let's get to the Toronto Raptors because they're starting to play some real basketball. They're starting to get very healthy. And Pascal Siakam, who got a Max deal and has received a lot of criticism for not being able to produce to that Max level, has been playing well lately. What do you make of Pascal Siakam? Y'all sound so disappointed. He's been playing well lately. Like, oh, no, there's nothing good. I mean, I, I think overall the team, there was a bit, there's a big adjustment of what they've done in terms of personnel. Uh, you know, going, playing in Florida last year, coming back to Toronto, now playing in no fans. Like, there's a lot of... They probably had the most movement of any sports franchise ever in the history of sport. Like the the being unstable, there's no team that could say that they've been as as unstable as them ever. I I don't. I cannot remember any team in any scenario like that. So you're gonna have up and down. I think the one thing that makes great teams are great players is stability and that's the one thing that they didn't have so i'm not surprised that he might have gone through lulls and now he's kind of triggering his way out you know and hopefully he could just stay there if if he is part of this solution here and a lot of people in toronto talking about a big three of fred van vliet who a lot of people think in this city is an all-star, but when you look at the rest of the eastern conference there are a lot of really good guards that he's going to have to compete with Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi. They're now climbing here. They're making some noise, but they've also done it against some teams that have been hit by COVID. Can you figure out the Eastern Conference when you look at it? Do you know who the legit teams are and who aren't legit? Yeah, the, the Bulls, the, the Nets, the Bucks, the Sixers, and the Heat are for real. Um, you know, I think you know we. Everyone else is in the next boat. Uh, you know, when you look at Cleveland Raptors, Hornets, and Wizards, uh, along with the Celtics, they're in the next boat. And there's none of those teams that can clearly say they're better than, than each other. But I think those first five teams have a legitimate chance to win the Eastern Conference and can say, we can we can beat you four times within 10 days. I don't know if any of the other teams can say that, um, including the Raptors. Say, I could beat you in 10 days, I could beat you four times. Like, I, wouldn't, I don't think any else on that list can say that. All right, so one of the conversations that you and I always have every time you come, I feel it's like a weekly conversation. I just ask you, do you still trust the Los Angeles Lakers' ability to get it done? 
They've won three in a row. <laughs> yes. They've won three in a row. Here's, here's why it makes me nervous. LeBron has been unbelievable. And I don't know how he hasn't gotten consideration for player of the week, maybe even player of the month, given what he's done. But the Russell Westbrook part of this, and I know that you have a ton of respect for what Wes- Russell Westbrook brings. And I have to be careful the way I say that. Because <laughs> for me, if Russ figures it out, they are really really good but Russ is so mercurial and and I don't want to discount his abilities because anyone who averages a triple double in the NBA is amazing but that whole thing when he had nine turnovers and then gets pissed off that people were calling him out for the nine turnovers and has his first zero turnover game since 2013 like doesn't that concern you at all well, I think that would be a good thing if he, you know, he's able to adjust. The biggest thing for Russell Westbrook is, is turnovers. You know, that's the thing that I think that would separate him. And that was actually, there's been a lot of great players that I used to say that about, including Steph Curry. Uh, like I used to say, when if he doesn't turn the ball over and be so loose with the basketball, the Golden State Warriors will win championships. They could win it this year. And then all of a sudden, he tightens it up. Russell Westbrook is a, a risk taker. So he's going to turn the basketball over, but he has to be – when he doesn't turn the basketball over, he is arguably still top five in the game. I, I heard – I think it was Van Gundy say something or someone said, oh, in today's game, you can have a triple-double and, and it still not mean you played well? Yes. Well, it don't mean you played bad. <laughs> that too <laughs> it definitely doesn't mean that <laughs> so, so uh, you know I, I just think for him when LeBron is there on a consistent basis he will be a really good player because the responsibilities that he has when LeBron is there are totally different than when he's not and so I, I said this a couple weeks ago when I was here I was like the Lakers could play without Anthony Davis, but they can't play without LeBron right. because LeBron handles the basketball. So every play that you run offensively, you have to change the whole offense if LeBron's not there. And then all of a sudden, Russell Westbrook has the ball more. He has to create more. But with LeBron there, he is the point guard. You run your offense. When Anthony Davis is by himself, you still have to change the offense if LeBron isn't there. With that guy's there, you don't have to change anything. Malik Monk can still be the same player, right. you know. Uh, you know, Russ can be Russ. Everyone coming off the bench can be who they are. But when LeBron is not there, their responsibilities magnify, and that's when they get into trouble. And all of a sudden, the Lakers, I think they'll be, you know, a fifth seed. Uh, you know, I don't think they'll catch the Grizzlies, but they'll be playing them in the first round of the playoffs. And if you say four times, can you beat LeBron James in ten days, and you're the Memphis Grizzlies? I don't, know. I, don't uh, know. I always feel like winning basketball, and you know this way more than me and way more than most because you've been around winning basketball. But winning basketball is like a good relationship. There's a lot of compromise. And is Russell Westbrook willing to compromise what is one of the most dynamic games in the league to make that winning basketball work with LeBron? And what I, you're telling I, I me is you. it doesn't matter. I hear you, but I don't agree. Yeah, I, I don't think winning is being compromised like having to compromise who no. you are i think winning to me has always been accepting the faults of the players around you and like get over it like oh yeah. he doesn't go left 
all right, we will not put him on the left side of the floor. I'm not going to compromise what I do or they do. I think maybe that's good. That's a good relationship talk. Maybe we should do a show about relationships <laughs> where you don't have to compromise, where you should only help the person continue what they're doing. Because to me, that's what I would do. I wouldn't worry about the deficiencies that he has. I wouldn't try to make him compromise. I was like, I'm just going to put him in areas that he's super aggressive and he's super good at. Right. And that's it. And so let him be him. I love it. I, 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 I'm, I'm rethinking the way, accepting the faults without a doubt and putting, like I always say, true superstars make those around them better. And the way they make those around them better is by putting them in, by knowing how to put them no, in the position to succeed. Look, look, man. If your wife can't cook, make dinner reservations, man. Stop trying to force it and make it tough. Just cook, right. you know, make dinner reservations, right. order out, right. and you love move You on. clean the house. You know what? Yeah. She, she's great at she's great at organizing their finances. Okay, let's keep over there. I'm not trying to make her cook right now, man. No, no right. compromising anymore in relationships. What was uh was Lance Stevenson last night one of the best stories of the year? Like, was that not like, I, I don't know where I turned the TV on and saw Lance Stevenson scoring 20 points in six minutes. Like, what the hell happened? Well, you know, the guy has been, in his career, an electrical person, personality. Yeah. And I think being back in Indiana, where he <laughs> strums that, that, that banjo, <laughs> you know, I think that in itself, you know, he caught a flashback and some. And I think that was that was that was fun to watch. He's he's from uh, you know New York City. I grew, watched them grow up, watched them play in high school basketball to now. So you know to solidify himself almost and say I'm back in the league and I'm going to be back in the league and I'm not going anywhere and no more ten days because if you ten day if you don't want to give him a contract that scored twenty points in six minutes <laughs> and you you just not trying to win that's what you're saying. I'm thinking about this now. We started this conversation with Antonio Brown, and you play with Mad Max. The two guys that I work with, I used to host the NCAA tournament in Canada. Two of the guys that I work with, Mick Cronin, who had Lance Stevenson at Cincinnati, and I used to ask him about how the hell he did that. And Mike Jarvis, who had Ron Artest at St. John's, and he told me that he had a Ron Whisperer on scholarship, which was basically the Kenny Smith to the Vernon Maxwell. Like, he had someone there who he believed could keep Ron focused in the task at hand at all times and walk him back into the motions that he needed to be in. And that's what Mike Evans should have been for uh, Antonio. He should have just sat <laughs> off and not let him take that jersey off. Because I, I if I was Mike Evans, I would have sat on A.B. We would have, we would have been scuffling on the sideline. And I would, he would have loved me at the end because I would not have let him take that jersey off if I was standing next to him. Because <laughs> I just know the consequences because there are certain people that they behave without thinking there's a consequence. Yeah. And right here, that's when I'm sitting on him. I'm grabbing him and I'm sitting <laughs> on him. No, I'm just literally sitting, sitting on him right there because now it's too late. It's too late. It is done. It is over. It is done with. I thought this Tom was going to be that guy. I thought. I thought like Brady's been his his dude. No, Let no. Him... Once the jersey comes off, nobody can save you. Like, <laughs> right. You know, no one can save you now. Like now, <laughs> no one. It's it's a wrap. Yeah, he's like, no he's on the flight you. in Utah. Yeah, he, he's on the flight. <laughs> yeah. you, not, you can't get him. You can't get him back. You uh, can't get him back. I always appreciate you. Have a great show tonight, Kenny.
All right. I, I didn't compromise today. No, you did not compromise. And I will accept <laughs> your faults so long as you accept my faults, all right? I do. All right. <laughs> and there are, there are numerous. Kenny the Jet Smith, you can see him tonight, Sportsnet 1, TNT crew. There he is. There he goes. Uh, I, was, I was told. Yes. And I know we're, we're pushing up against it here. I was told that you have some breaking news. Yeah, I had to double-check the date on this next tweet. Uh, but the Raptors are playing the Utah Jazz. The Jazz are in town tomorrow night. Yeah, the Jazz are pretty good right now. They're pretty good right now. But we talked about it yesterday. They were the last team to have a player enter health and safety protocols. That was Joe Ingles yesterday. Right. Today. So they got hit. Center Rudy Gobert has entered health and safety huh. protocols, according to the team. That's from Shams. And, of course, you don't have to scroll down very far until you get to that image that everybody's made famous, obviously two years ago during that media scrum. Little Dort. Little Dort, thank you very much. Uh, so Remember when we thought, like, for a second, that Rudy Gobert had saved the universe by testing positive for COVID and being silly with it just before he did, that he would be the tragic hero of the moment yeah. and that we wouldn't have him testing positive a second time in a second or fifth or ninth surge that we're in right now. So I know you're going to go to some more no, outs, but I was just I was pondering back to the moment when Sid and I were sitting in our closet and our <laughs> kitchen doing a radio show and hoping, praying that Rudy Gobert was the tragic hero in all of this. There was optimism for a fleeting <laughs> moment. Man, were we wrong. Yeah, so uh, Rudy Gobert, obviously just the latest Utah Jazz member now to be in health and safety protocols, joins Joe Ingles and Mike Conley, uh, Bogdanovich, Donovan Mitchell, all out tomorrow against the Raptors. So yet again, it seems for the third consecutive game, the Raptors will be playing an opponent that is at significantly less than full strength. Okay, let's take the break so that I can... Uh... Go to my betting account and yeah, see what before the line is on that this line. Is all, that tweet's only like three minutes old, <laughs> so you might have some leeway here. Uh, we'll continue the Antonio <laughs> Brown conversation. We'll get you what the latest is today. Adding on to the Kenny Smith conversation, uh, there's an Instagram story, text messages. Did you know that he dropped a new beat moments after leaving <laughs> the field on Sunday? All that coming up on Tim and Friends. Probably off the board already. No, I don't know. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Uh, are the Oilers going to go out and get Alexander Gorgiev? Uh, Elliot Friedman is going to join us a little later oh. on. Uh, Donovan Bennett on uh, the future of the NFL and this week number 18, game number 17. And uh, for those checking like me frantically what's going on with that Utah Jazz Toronto Raptors game tomorrow, off the board. Off the as, board. As is every game on my betting app too smart. off the board for tomorrow because you never know what the hell's I mean there's a lot of games tonight too so they should just shut time. betting down just shut it down what it's too hard what are you talking about it's too hard right stop now. no I mean obviously when you can take advantage obviously we want people to make money but it is ridiculous right now you don't know who's playing what night who which guys no, but when up you in the get which... I'm, I'm telling you right now that I've made significant units over the last little while just paying attention to who's in and who's out and getting to that app quickly. Units. That's how you know you're that's how you know what you're doing. That's how you know you don't want to say how much you're gambling. Right. And you should always play within your means, kids. Honestly. Have your own unit. And number. I'm not that's no horse bleep. Play within your means. Don't play more money than you can afford to lose. Important. Otherwise it gets way too much. 100%. Uh, speaking of too much. <laughs> Antonio Brown? The Antonio Brown saga continues. The wide receiver releases a statement through his 
lawyer last night accusing head coach Bruce Arians and the team of multiple wrongdoings, including giving him dangerous painkillers and forcing him to play through injury. This morning, he posted this photo on his Instagram story, redoing the movie poster from Home Alone 2. He also linked his followers to his latest uh, wow. movie, music track. Tom catches a stray there. I thought Tom was his guy. Yeah, Tom's not uh, Teflon, as it turns out. Um, AB released the music track just hours after leaving the field at MetLife Stadium. Pit not the palace, I know. Pit not the palace. Pit not the palace. We have it. We can play it whenever we You're want. Done, though. I'll, I'll finish the story, and then we can play Pit not the palace. Uh, Brown's contract was obviously uh, terminated by the Buccaneers today. Um, how much is going to happen here? How much more will this story evolve? Well, I mean, so we got the accusations from Antonio Brown, and we kind of heard them over the last couple of days. Ian Rappaport had uh, some um, information from Antonio Brown's camp. Um, the other side had given what they believed the issue to be. Here's the interesting part was Antonio Brown goes to Twitter and Instagram and posts what he is professing to be a text conversation with Bruce Arians. So they grab Bruce Arians today and he responds to the idea that he was forcing him to play through injury. Here's Bruce Arians. At no point in time during that game did he ever ask the trainer or a doctor about his ankle. He never went through, that's the normal protocol. You go through protocols during games. He was very upset at halftime about who was getting targeted. Got that calmed down. Players took care of that. It started again on the sideline. We called for the personnel group that he had played in the entire game. He refused to go in the game. That's when I looked back and saw him basically wave off the coach. Um, I then went back, approached him about what was going on. Uh, I ain't playing. To what's going on? I ain't getting the ball. That's when I said, "You're done. Get the f out of here." And that's the that's the that's the end of it. Can we get like a picture of Bruce Arians and just ask, "What does this guy do for a living?" <laughs> yeah, only? let's do that. We'll <laughs> do it. That, I'll communicate it. That is odd. Like just seeing that is. An awesome picture right now. Uh, Duck Dynasty. <laughs> Duck Dynasty? <laughs> uh, I feel like he's DJing at the Seniors Club. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> I think that's a, Big go night? Yeah. Big go night. Uh, there's a lot of answers out there. Maybe we can throw it out there. Um, but that's kind of what we expected from the start, no? Like a he said, he said situation. Like, that's where this story kind of loses me. Like, uh, first of all, all of a sudden we're just supposed to believe what Antonio Brown is saying and take it at face value after everything that he's been through, not just this year, but in his career. Like, he lied about his vaccination status, like, literally but, uh, well, a month ago. Let me, let me, before you get into the he said, he said, mm -hmm. do you care? No. You don't? I don't because of uh, it's he said, he said. Like, we're never going to know the answer. Right. So who so, cares? So if you and I, I'm, I'm in the same spot, like... He has a history. Mm -hmm. You knew that if he took a misstep, it was going to be over. There was a couple of different missteps. And Arians went to bat for him coming back from the fake vaccination card. Yep. And he put him back on the field. 
And whatever happened after that, it feels like it's disingenuous to have this soap opera here when all I really care about, and correct me if I'm wrong here, is whether or not the Bucks can still win without Antonio Brown at receiver because they've had some injuries there and he was a significant part of what could have been and they won't be playing the Jets every game. Oh, man. I mean, it's a huge loss. Massive. When Chris Godwin went down due to a torn ACL, AB was going to step into that spot. 15 targets in the game before last. And now what? Like Now who are you running up? Brashad Perriman, Scotty Miller, Leonard Fournette's already down with an injury on IR. Mike, re- Ab- like Mike Evans has been off and on the field. The rebirth of Scotty Miller? Is like that what you're Keyshawn going with? Vaughn's going to be the guy out of the backfield. They, they hate Ronald Jones for some reason. There is just not the depth that this team had when they won the Super Bowl last year, and it's not even close. Yeah, you didn't mention Cyril Grayson, who, like, that is immediately who all Bucks fans will say because he made a couple big catches, including the touchdown catch to win the game. It's one thing to do it against the Jets. Yeah. It's another thing to do it in the playoffs when it matters most. Donovan Bennett is going to join us a little later on. We'll walk this road. Are the Bucks going to be good enough to get by without Antonio Brown? Coming up, Nikita Kucherov set to rejoin the Lightning. Can anyone stop the two-time defending champs? What kind of impact will Owen Power have on the Canadian Olympic team? And will he be joined by another draft pick who plays for Michigan? Elliot Friedman joins us next. Time for real sports talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you, Sheepdogs. Uh, we spent the entire commercial break arguing chicken sandwiches and which one was the best. Send them in at Tim and Friends. <laughs> we will sort it out by the end of the show and not name any names of franchises as of right now, not to piss off any of the sponsors long term. That's very, very smart on your right, back. Welcome yeah. back. Hour number two, Tim and Friends. It was a pretty it was a pretty impassioned conversation in studio. I will tell you that much. I'm Tim McAuliffe. Jesse Rubinoff, as always, we're here with you. Another 30 minutes on Sportsnet, full hour on Sportsnet 360, coming up 6.30 Eastern time on Sportsnet Hockey Central. Get you set for a busy night in the NHL. 11 games on the schedule, including two Canadian teams in action tonight. Got a good and since you understood. The Flames continue their road trip in Tampa tonight as they look to bounce back from a 6-2 loss to the Panthers with... Tampa Bay Lightning. Viewers in the Calgary region see the game at 7 local time, excuse me, 5 local time, 7 Eastern. Nikita Kucherov expected to return for the Lightning tonight after missing 32 games with a lower body injury. Stamkos did not take part in the morning skate, undisclosed issue, and John Cooper said he will be a game time decision tonight. So they might catch a break as Kucherov comes back. Jets, meanwhile, will look to win their four straight as they visit Colorado after dropping their first game under interim head coach Dave Lowry. Winnipeg has reeled off three straight victories, including impressive wins over the Blues and Golden Knights. Now, the Jets placed three players in COVID protocol today. Cole Perfetti has been activated from the taxi squad. He will be in the lineup tonight. Cole, forget. Oh, I screwed up the line. He's going to do the mom <laughs> spaghetti. Cole yeah. Perfetti. McAuliffe, you suck. Great handle. Uh, the Bruins host the Minnesota Wild tonight, a game you can see in Sportsnet East Ontario Pacific and Sportsnet 360. That's 7 Eastern. I got that one. Earlier today, Tukaras signed a professional tryout contract with the AHL Providence Bruins, clearing his way for a return to the NHL. Rass says he's fully recovered from off-season hip surgery. He's expected to play 
one or two games with Providence before returning to Boston. All right, with NHLers out of the Olympics, there are a significant amount of hockey fans wondering who will represent Canada and beyond in their stead. Now, Frank Saravelli hit us with some of the U.S. names for the American team today. And Elliot Friedman let us know that Sabres' first overall pick, Owen Power, was invited and was going earlier in the week. Now, I'm not just a dude that says things to stir the pot. But the news, the World Juniors, the World Championship last year got me to thinking about some of the great 23 and under D-men in the show, like Cal McCarr, Adam Fox, Quinn Hughes, Miro Heiskanen, just to name a few. I think power might already be a top five 23 and under defenseman, and he hasn't even played a game in the show. So when I said that yesterday, we decided to give you a full scouting report thanks to our Who's Next hockey correspondent, Sam Cosentino. Sammy? With Owen Power having been unofficially named to Canada's Olympic team, what should we expect from the first overall pick of the Buffalo Sabres in the 2021 draft? Owen Power, uh, he's the real deal. This is a guy that wants to be at the rink all the time. Well, you can't teach size, and at 6'6", 214 pounds, Power will be leaned on as a top four option in the Olympics. His best asset is his skating. For a big man, he's extremely agile. He can do so many different things from the point, it just creates a lot of headaches. Defensively, Power is able to retrieve pucks quickly, assess the best option, and execute it soundly. If the first pass isn't available, he's skilled enough to skate the puck out until other options open up. This is a guy, Owen Power, who can slow the game down if he wants to. Aside from elite skating, Power's poise belies that of a 10-year NHL veteran, and it's not out of the question that he sees Power play minutes in Beijing. He just has such a great approach to everything, it seems. From over a point per game as a freshman at Michigan, Power was asked to join Canada at the Men's Worlds. He played just three seconds in Canada's first game, but progressed so quickly and took advantage of an injury to Colin Miller that by the end of the tournament he was logging the second most minutes in the gold medal win over Finland. He's played so much hockey and excelled at all these levels. This year, Power left Michigan with 23 points in 18 games to join Canada at the World Juniors. Across the power, high shot scores! He's the first defenseman to score a hat-trick of the game for Canada, the World Junior Championship. In just two games, he put up five points and truly looked like a man amongst boys. Like the men's worlds, another perfect storm opportunity has presented itself for the native of Etobicoke, Ontario, as he gets set to represent Canada in the Beijing Games. All right, Elliot Friedman was one of, if not the first, to report that Owen Power would play for Canada, and Fried joins us now. 3 of 32 brought to you by the first-ever GMC AT4 lineup. Fried, welcome back to the show. How are you, buddy? I'm good, Tim. Happy New Year to you and all your viewers. Thank you very much. We appreciate that, even though it goes against all of what Larry David says. But we will move on. I think, hey, I think you can do watch... Curb, your enthusiasm? Of course. I haven't, wa- I haven't watched limit. this year. I'm behind on this year, but I'm on the show. Three-day limit? No. My rule is 15. <laughs> 15 days from yeah. the new year? Because like, you, you know I tend to be late, so I, I <laughs> no, give no, myself no, no. an extra birth. No, 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 no. I, I think you can co-sign that I'm not the guy that just says stuff to stir the pot. And I've watched Owen Power at the World Championships go from a seventh defenseman to on the ice in three-on-three and a gold medal-winning goal. 
Uh, he was a man among boys at Michigan and a man among boys at the World Juniors. And I, like, I honestly believe this guy could be, whenever he steps on the ice in the NHL, top five, 23 and under defenseman. How good do you think Owen Power can be? I think he's really good. And I was listening to a little bit of Sam's piece there while I was waiting to come on. And, you know, the thing that I, I, I he talked about how driven the kid is. Like that's like I was watching last night after the Toronto Edmonton game. I watched the third period of St. Louis Pittsburgh, and you know it made. I was watching Crosby take over that game, mm-hmm. and it made me you know just remember you know sometimes we forget about Crosby. Like we talk about McDavid, we talk about Drysaddle, yeah. we talk about uh, Ovechkin because the incredible things he's doing. And I was watching Crosby last night. And I was like, we we totally forget about him, and what is. What is Crosby's greatest skill? I think is his 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 passion and determination. Like he is still got this love and this grinding ability. And people say hard work is not a skill. I think that's BS because then everybody would be hardworking. But you know, like power has got whatever that is. Power's got it. You can sense that. You know, here's this young kid who's who's really talented, and he's got he's very powerful. And every game I watch him play, especially some of the big games, it's as if you said it, Tim, whatever role he starts off in, by the end of the game, he's one of the guys who's determining what the result is going to be. And I think that's what separates the good from the great. And I I think he has the ability to be great because he looks like he has the determination to do the work it takes to be great. Okay, so you you threw out some other names that may join him uh, in Beijing on the Canadian Olympic squad. Is Kent Johnson, his teammate at Michigan and a fifth overall pick, going to be one of them? The the question about Kent Johnson is he uh, he's signed to an NHL contract, correct? So that is the players who have it, like mm, Cole Perfetti right. is on the Canadian list. Um, and they're not sure they're going to be able to get him. So it, I just said, like Mason McTavish also, like the one about, the thing about Mason McTavish is, you know, McTavish is in the Canadian Junior League, so he can't, he can only be called up to the NHL under like an emergency situation. So I think they're wrangling about, can that, does that mean they can get Mason McTavish on the Olympic team? Because he really can't go back to the Ducks. Right. So, like, basically, if you're in the AHL and you're on an AHL-only deal, like a Josh Hosang is, for example, right. um, then you can go. But if you're on a two-way deal, as I understand it right now as we're talking today, mm-hmm. you can't go. So it all comes down to are you on a two-way deal or not. All right. So we'll figure that out in the wash over the next little while. Um, one of the I, I want to get to Sidney Crosby and the Penguins because I think it's it's a great story right now. But we're watching – the Oilers and the Leafs last night. And as we attempt mm-hmm. to learn, uh, as we listen and attempt to learn what fans want, a lot of them in northern Alberta want a goalie. And listen, I heard the names Marc-Andre Fleury. I even heard Carey Price thrown out there. But unless they're trading enough salary, 10.5 for Price, 7 for Marc-Andre Fleury, like those kind of deals can't be done by Edmonton, can they? See, I wouldn't do Flurry because I don't think a rental makes sense for them. Now, if if you're telling me that you know for whatever reason Flurry would be willing to do a contract extension in, in Edmonton, then I'm thinking about it differently. But I, I don't know, like like I like I do think Edmonton has to make the playoffs. I, I think missing the playoffs is not an option there. But I don't know if a rental makes sense either. You know, the thing about Price is 
first of all, you know, how does Price feel yeah. uh, mentally? And also, B, how does Price feel physically? Like, he hasn't had an official practice yet. You know, you know, you know, you have to you have to get into a situation where Price is comfortable with the way he feels on his knee and other either the Canadians or someone else are comfortable in the position that he's he's ready to go. Like, I, I think my, my guess is that if Carey Price gets traded, it's going to be after he plays games, everybody sees where he is and maybe it's an offseason move when everybody sits down and thinks about where everybody's going here. I don't see that happening right now. Now, you know, I had a, uh, someone today suggest, uh, mentioned, like, put out a whole Jake Evans trade proposal to me. And, you know, Jake Evans has got another year under contract. That makes some sense to me. Um, but, like, if you're talking about a rental, I don't know if I'm doing that at Edmonton knowing what it's going to cost you to get a Marc-Andre Fleury. Jake Allen, you're, you're, you're talking about? Yeah, sorry. No, what did I say? Jake, Jake Evans. Evans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Time Last I checked, he he didn't play goal. No, it, it might be nice. I mean, you could try it out. You can strap some pads on him. Is like 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 somebody like that yeah. to me. If you think that's the upgrade, like that makes a lot more sense. The one, the one for me, and listen, I, I know it's tough to sign free agents in Edmonton. I know that's true of a lot of Canadian cities in a lot of different sports. So I'm not just throwing stones at Edmonton, but I, I feel like someone that you might be able to get uh, younger and maybe grow a little older with this franchise. You think a guy like Alexander Gorgiev could be available from the Rangers? I, I think that makes a lot of sense. But all of a sudden, if you're the New York Rangers and you look at where, where, where you are right now, First. are you <laughs> Yeah, are you making that deal? Now, if they make it you know, sweet enough for you, like sometimes you get a deal that comes your way that you can't say no to. But, you know, I, I, I also wonder if you're the Rangers right now, unless you get something that blows your socks off, are you tampering with what you've got? Right, you don't want to mess it up. Just that Shesterkin's well, Sh- so I, good that I think that you might have some ability to well, really kind of put this team over the top with a piece or add some, like, a first-round pick. Well, I, and I agree with all of that, yeah. but I think, like, uh, the only thing I would say is if I'm the Rangers, and I think Georgiev yeah. has made it very clear in the past, that he would welcome the opportunity to go go somewhere where he'd play more. I just think also, if you're the Rangers right now, unless you have another option there to back up Shostyarkin, or like you said, Tim, the deal is so good that you can't say no to right. it. Right. I'm not sure you want to, you know, you want to have, like, this is a year, Joey Kenward helped me out with this yesterday. We're about to set a record for the most goalies ever used in an NHL season, as far as we can tell. Yeah. you got to have two guys, at least, at least two guys who can play. Especially, especially with, when you're number one in the league. Yeah, and especially with COVID floating around the way it yeah. is. And if it comes in a postseason, uh, it would be a luxury to have two real good goalies. I saw an interesting comparison in an Edmonton newspaper between the Pens and the Oilers. And, and how about okay. how Pittsburgh has been without Malkin the entire year. And I guess Sidney mm-hmm. Crosby's missed a dozen games. And not only mm-hmm. have they stayed afloat, but now they're starting to excel. Like, this is a really good story in Pittsburgh, isn't it? It's a fantastic story. And... You know, that's that's one of the things, you know, I mentioned it this week, and, that, and now it's starting to be everywhere. You take a look at the Oilers without McDavid and, and Dreisaitl on the ice, and, you know, they're getting caved in. They're, they're being outscored 2-1. to one. And, you know, the, Pittsburgh is, you know, one of, again, last night, Tim, you said you watched that game last yeah. night. There's just something still about Crosby. He takes over games, and the whole team goes with him. But, you know, I, I just see that Pittsburgh team as a group of players who understand what their roles is. Everybody knows when they get on the ice – Okay, this is what my job is. This is what I'm supposed to do. 
And the coach um, has the cre- has the credibility in the room to tell them that, and they buy into what he says. And if you're willing to uh, do what you want to do, what they want you to do there, you know they reward you. And I and I think the thing about Crosby is too is that, you know, I think when your best players are are players who love the game, don't take shortcuts, and are as demanding of themselves as they are from everybody else, I just think that 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 wears around the group and and i'm watching like this last night and i just think that if you're another penguin you are just drawn into that seeing crosby like that and then scoring and and taking over the game when your best player is your hardest worker it's hard to kind of you know poop your pants for a little while and sit to the sidelines when this guy's been through everything that he's been through captured what he's captured and he's still working his ass off and taking on six foot six dudes you know i'm watching this right now and it's so funny i, I know i'm an old man born in 1970 tim but mm-hmm. i just remember when i when i was a teenager and you know that would happen in a game in the mid 80s They'd be riot police on me. I'm just <laughs> yeah, trying to figure out what to do with all without of this. Without a doubt. Uh, all right, before we let you go, do we, do we give Burke some credit here? Do we give our old friend Brian Burke some credit for what's going on in Pittsburgh? No, no, no. doesn't okay. deserve any credit. No. <laughs> He'll take it, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Freej, always great catching up with you. Thanks for doing this. All right, take care, Tim. Have a great day. You too. There is Elliot Friedman joining us from the palatial compound. Palatial compound. I love that background. It's just, you know, it's Elliot Freeman because of the background that he's always had. The, uh, what is that? Pine? Wood, what wood, is that? Yeah, wood paneling background. I don't know what the hell that is. Yeah, I don't know what that it's is either. It's not rich mahogany? Is that it? Yeah, nice. Yeah. 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 I think that's the look he's going for. Yeah. Like, uh, the wines <laughs> are very commercial. Yeah, he yeah. just wants people to clap for him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, we've got a couple of things on tap here, don't we? Yeah, we got a lot on time. Right, we'll take the quick break. On the other side, uh, we'll have the inspiring story of Reggie Millette in our first edition new segment, Bauer Hockey Heroes. Uh, you gonna I, listen? If if someone's cutting onions in the area, you will be forgiven. Next, here on Tim and Friends. What a tease! Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Today we're introducing a new weekly segment on the show called Bauer Hockey Heroes. And this week's Bauer Hockey Hero is Reggie Millette, young man born in Jacksonville, Florida, whose life trajectory was changed when he took up the sport and met some people in the game. Reggie is a part of Bauer's new hockey campaign, The Barn. Here's a story. If I didn't start playing, uh, I'm 21 years old, I'd probably be in jail or dead by now. Hockey saved my life. It just means pretty much everything in the whole world. Uh, Marie, my name's <laughs> my name is Reggie Millette. I'm from uh, Jacksonville, Florida. First got into hockey uh, pretty much by my sister, just by going to the rink and uh, watching her do her figure skating practices. Got a little bit bored sitting there in the stands. Figured I'd uh, try to get on the ice, and uh, then we found hockey from like a little flyer. The first time I uh, started skating was actually with speed skates. So then I had speed skates like my first year of hockey as well, just cause like we didn't really know like what regular skates were and like we're just a new family kind of at the rink just trying to have some fun. In Florida, like from the earliest time I could remember, uh, I was just moving from house to house, didn't really have like a stable home. Uh, my mom was in a halfway house, so we would have to like visit her and like see if we could uh, stay with her. Like she would have to go to like these meetings 
pretty much seeing if she was clean or not, like things like that. I remember like sleeping in a car for a period of time and uh, going to these shelters. And then my grandma was like, okay, let's try to get these kids like somewhere stable and uh, where they can actually like be at one school and like go to the park every now and then type of thing. Uh, so then we ended up going to Indiana, Fort Wayne, Indiana is a spot. Uh, from there, I got into like karate and like baseball. Like I just started doing a bunch of different things. But like I said, like once I got to the rink and saw what hockey was, it just kind of just stuck with me. And I was like, this is what I want to do. Like the first time I got on the ice, I knew like I wanted to play hockey forever. So I kind of just ran with that. I remember this kind of vivid, like one day, like my grandma's like, hey, like I don't, I don't know if you're going to be able to get on the ice today, but like we're still going to go to the rink. Like I'll, I'll never not take you to the rink if you want to go. So I'm like, yeah, like I want to go. I'll just see, see what I can do. So we get to the rink and uh, I get on the ice for practice and they're like, okay, like you can practice today, but like can't play next game because you, like your ice bill's behind or whatever. That same thing again, my grandma's like, I'm taking you to the game. Like you can try to get on the ice. I'm like, all right, let's go. We go to the game. This lady comes up to my grandma like mid game and she's like, hey, like someone paid for the full year of ice bill. Like you don't have to pay anymore. And uh, it's anonymous person. Like we still don't know who it is. Uh, I just remember like my grandma just crying like for a while because like that was such a big deal for her like to keep me going like she was trying so hard for me to keep playing like no matter what. Started playing hockey there, uh, just needed some better competition so then we started going to Michigan but we used to drive every weekend so I was getting kind of taxing like we didn't have that, that much money to keep going so uh, the Cyril family kind of was like hey we want you to live with us and we'll pay for your hockey and we'll get you in school and everything you need, like we'll pretty much take care of it. So that's how I uh, got into the Cyril family and I've been there ever since and I call them uh, mom and dad now. So it's kind of like they pretty much just gave me a, a third chance or whatever chance that I was on already with hockey. I was coaching a AAA hockey team in Michigan, uh, 10 year olds at the time I believe it was. My assistant coach, he had told me about this young man who he saw down in Fort Wayne that was playing and asked if maybe he could come try out to play for the team. His grandma brought him up to our practice, a two-hour drive one way. And never seen a kid, I don't know, in the 30 years I'd been doing it at that point, that practiced that hard. It was a little amazing. <laughs> I, I have to do the talking because Rick gets all emotional. Late in the spring that we start, we're planning, coaches and staff, we're starting to plan for the fall. And that's when it really got a little more serious because in the fall, we're on the ice five to six days a week. And there's just not feasibly possible for his grandma to maintain a job and drive four hours a day, basically six days a week to get him back and forth. And that's when those discussions Maybe we got to find out a way for Reggie to live in Michigan. And we were empty nesters, so the thought every time I think about it, I'm like, oh my God, Chris, why would you, why would you want to do that? Start all, start all over. Once I saw that smile for myself, I'm like, oh no. And you know, I just felt like I can't change the world, but I could change the world for that one child. He worked so hard and it's like he always wanted to do it right and so you give him a shot and so that's what we did. 
If I didn't start playing, uh, probably would have had to find a way at a young age to like get some money. So I, I'd probably like do like illegal things, you know. I'm 21 years old, I'd probably be in jail or dead by now. Five years from now, uh, I would like to see hockey be like way more inclusive to just everyone. I also think like even like girls should get a shot to like play with the guys. Like if you're good enough, I feel like you should just be able to play. So I think hockey should just be a place where you can just have fun, be yourself, meet new people, and kind of create like a family aspect. Cause to me, hockey has been like that family aspect. I couldn't play anymore. I would definitely try to do something in hockey. Like I would definitely try to like give back. Even now that I play, I do like to give back. So I would say I would try to like create a company where it just helps all minorities and all people who they don't have the money to like buy the high-end gear. So I would try to do like a charity thing where, hey, like if you want to play hockey, here's gear, here's all the sizes, just take it. And if you don't know how to skate, I'll teach you how to skate. If you don't know how to do whatever, I'd, I'd like to be that guy. I would say hockey's like, it's everything pretty much. Like hockey saved my life. It gave me like new journeys, showed me like parts of the world where I probably would have never seen it had I stayed in Florida. Uh, kept me out of a lot of trouble. So like it just means pretty much everything in the whole world. Because of that piece, mm -hmm. a lot of the things that he was talking about at the end are already into play. It was released on the internet and it just went viral because that's the power of sport. 100%. At its absolute finest. And so often we talk about all of the roadblocks in the way. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we got to shine the light on people tearing down those roadblocks. 100%. Said hockey saved his life. I mean, yeah. that's an unbelievable story of just perseverance and kindness and kindness helping your neighbor yeah. and just things that sometimes it, especially in today's world you, you lose sight of those things so but it's important all to around highlight. us it's important every, to highlight. yeah in every sport like I have seen that story several times over and I'm glad that someone shined a light on some of the roadblocks being torn down instead of just the roadblocks and a great vision too for the game have fun meet people be able to be yourself that's, I think, what everybody should want hockey and, and all sports to be like. Uh, speaking of hockey, a full slate of action in the NHL tonight, including two Canadian teams, the Jets and Avs along. How about this for a stretch mm. for the Flames? They take on the Lightning tonight with Kucherov back in the lineup, then Carolina tomorrow, this after Florida. Daryl Sutter challenged his team after Florida. We'll see how they respond tonight against Tampa. For those of you watching on Sportsnet Hockey Central, coming up next ahead of a busy night in the show, including the Flames and Lightning. And for those of you watching on Sportsnet 360, Tim and Friends will continue with Donovan Bennett in 60 seconds. Can the Bucks win without Antonio Brown? We'll discuss next. Tim and Friends continues on sports. Tim and Friends continues on sports. And I am Tim McCallum, Jesse Rubinoff. And uh, it looks as though our 
Uh, what does he do for a living? Wrong answer only is going pretty well on the internet. Shall we get to some of those a yeah, little later on before yeah. we close out this program? I think we have to. I uh, mean, you nailed it. That's your brainchild right there. It's on like the let's if we can show the. I know we're getting Donovan Bennett set, but if you can just show guys my computer. Um, when we were watching earlier, Bruce Arians responding to Antonio Brown, what does he do for a living? Wrong answer only. <laughs> so good. Uh, keep them coming at Tim and Friends. Uh, we'll do a few of them later. Unless Donovan Bennett has one, as he is joining us now. Mr. Bennett, I, I don't want to put you on the spot. We just hit you with that. But do you have an answer to what does Bruce Arians do for a living? Wrong answer only. Uh, he sells bait. Does he not? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Isn't that, yeah. Good? Isn't that yeah. the guy who's selling you bait yeah. for the weekend? Yeah, I think he might be a guy. You want how many how many boxes of worms you need? You know, like, all right, I got two. We'll take two. We'll take July two boxes. Fourth weekend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can only live bait is the way to go. You gotta get live bait. If you're gonna catch a fish, you gotta have to live bait. Uh, what's going on? What are you working on these days? What am I not working on? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you know, Black History Month is coming, so we are planning for that. And, you know, your show has been a big helping hand in giving us a platform to tell those stories. The one that we just saw was amazing, by yeah. the way. Uh, so shout out to everyone uh, on our team and with Bauer and the barn who put that together. Um, almost had me in tears over here before he came on air. Um, and uh, working on, uh, I'm in the red zone right now. Not professionally, but personally, is oh, um, right. any day now. Is, are uh, you in any day it. now mode? And it, uh, yes, uh, we're, we're bringing another member to the team via hardship exemption. <laughs> we're adding another person to the squad. Right. So, uh, so we're, we're in the red. So, if I have to leave uh, abruptly, that we know why. Uh, Donovan yeah. Bennett is uh, is officially in Bill Rafferty's zone. Uh, he is no longer playing zone. We're going man to man. All right, uh, that's two kids. Uh, I have two how kids many, who can't how play many, zone defense anymore. It's how many play-by-play play, yeah. uh, men or women, I suppose, have tried to to do Bill not nearly as good as Bill? Like Whoa. ballpark. 5, 10, 15, 20? I, yeah. And, and people making really good livings off of it, too. Yeah, very good. <laughs> yeah. Very, very good, very good not, livings off of it. Uh, Donovan Bennett joining not, us here. Not, not, not the conversation you called me to have. No, but way, that's is, that's the beauty of what having. Happens when you call me on the phone, is <laughs> yes. I say something and then I say that that's not the conversation you called me to have. <laughs> no, but we end up having it anyway. Uh, the conversation I called you to have was about Antonio Brown. I will offer you up the. He said, he said, if you want to jump in on it. Or if you'd rather jump to, do the Bucks need Antonio Brown to win? I will accept. If you're done with the soap opera part of it and you want to get onto the football part of it, I will accept that. I will also accept if you'd like to stay as a as a huge fan of reality TV as I know you are. If you'd like to stay in the soap opera, I will allow it. That is the key because it is peak reality TV. <laughs> can I take? Can I take both? Can I do yes. the daily double? Because yes. I think that those two things are linked, that they aren't separate conversations. They are, in some ways, the same conversation. Let's start with the petty, because I was part of the show this week in 30. We love petty. Uh, you mentioned it. Like, where's Andy Cohen when we, we need him? This is the reunion of a reality <laughs> show. Antonio Brown has receipts. He has texts. 
Bruce Arians is saying one thing and Antonio Brown's saying another thing. There is a camera somewhere because in all reality TV shows in the NFL is one. There's always cameras catching everything. There is a camera where they will tell their two sides and then the camera will tell us the truth. The eye in the sky does not lie. Now, I grew up in football and that means you are assignment correct. In this context, it means someone's version of the story is the truth or what mainly happens in life the truth is somewhere in the middle because there are massive flaws for me in both of their stories. Antonio Brown was all about his touches and he just went off for 102 and 11 catches and 15 targets 11 days prior. Well, why wouldn't he want to play to get that money, to get the incentive? And furthermore, Bruce, you just told us, Bruce, Bruce, that he was a model citizen. You just told us that. You, 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 you did say after the game, yeah. Nothing to see here, nothing to talk about. Then once you were questioned, you had this long, elaborate story of what was said and what wasn't said and who didn't say anything. So I think they're both kind of lying. Uh, but the reason why this impacts the football is because, another football saying, uh, production is r- relevant to tolerance. We will tolerate you as long as you produce. And maybe Bruce wanted him on the field because he was only putting up with him to get him on the field. And he didn't really actually want that headache in the locker room and on the team. And that lets me further know that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers need Antonio Brown to win a Super Bowl. Because if they didn't need him, he wouldn't be there. They wouldn't have signed him a year ago after Bruce said, we're not signing him. I've seen that story in uh, Pittsburgh. Then they had some injuries at the position. All of a sudden they needed him. They win a Super Bowl. They wouldn't have put up with this year the fake vax card after yeah. they were so hard about we're fully vaccinated but everyone has COVID. they have injuries at the position chris godwin is done for the year so they were tolerating it because they were hoping that the production would lead to another super bowl once the production went away or the availability of that production being his best ability went away whether that was his choice or not they decided they were no longer going to tolerate it. So I think those conversations are linked. The drama and the actual X's and O's feed into each other. Okay, so there's a, there's a lot to get here. First off, uh, shout out to Comic View and uh, Bruce Bruce with the reference. <laughs> yeah. And shout out to BET on Cut while we're at it just because. Oh, um, man. The X Factor, is that the show with Andy Cohen that you're referencing there? Or is it just because he does every reunion show? Every reunion show. X Factor did have a nice run, though. And there's also Watch What Happens Live. Also, there's a bang-up job New Year's Eve with Anderson Cooper. But I'm going to yeah. stop promoting over, other networks. Overrated. Uh, <laughs> yeah, really? Over, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not. Watching newsmakers get drunk live on TV is I, overrated. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, for one time a year, they, they all broadcast. I know. I just, just don't think it's funny. Thrown away? I just don't think it's funny. I don't think it's good. I think it's, yeah, I'm, 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 you can, I can be that guy for that show without a doubt. Why don't we have our own Canadian show, by the way? Why, why do we watch American New Year's Eve shows? Like, I don't understand that. Someone's got to put together a Canadian... Donovan and I will help you if you put together a Canadian New Year's show so that we don't have to watch American New Year's shows. I don't think we can compete with the Mariah Carey's and all of the musical acts, but whatever. Or Miley Cyrus losing her top. You have a show with your mom, man. You you used to host that show with a guy who's dying to host you know, live events with lots of eyeballs, <laughs> and he works for an entertainment program. Oh, Sid, right. Program. Yeah. 
yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, if anyone can get this done, I, I think you're the guy. Okay, so the other part of this, after we get through all of the references that I wanted to kind of comb through in what was almost a five-minute answer from you, was if your ankle's that bad, are you doing jumping jacks on the field? Like, when he left the field... It was too, like, I know he's, you're probably shot up. I've had the conversations with Nate Burleson about what football players have to go through to play games on Sundays and Mondays and, I guess, Saturdays, Thursdays, and every other day. But it's tough. I get it. But does, does this look like a dude that has a bad ankle? <laughs> like, no. There's, okay. no. there's no hitch in his giddy-up. No. But there is a, there's a difference between... And I think this is where, you know, maybe Bruce via those texts and putting in caps that he needed him on the field, yeah. where the difference Hurt and injured? comes. There's a difference. Thank you. Hurt yeah. and injured. Tom Brady played an entire year, we now know, with a torn MCL. Uh, so I, I understand the A and the P are more difficult to play with, but a torn MCL is still a torn MCL. And so Antonio Brown, maybe he felt he was hurt. Uh, and, and, uh, and Bruce Arians thought, well, you, you might be hurt, but you're not fully injured. I want to see you on the field. What, my question, and it's a great one by you, that, that doesn't make sense. My question was, we know he isn't vaccinated or has a fake vaccine card. How did he get into the Nets game and get courtside? Like, aren't Kyrie Irving can't get into the Nets game and play. So how is Antonio Brown? I didn't even think about that. That is awesome. That doesn't make any sense to me. Kyrie Irving's not allowed to come in. I guess I don't know. I don't know enough about the rules there, but I didn't even think about that one. All right. uh, Speaking of trying to play, I would be remiss if you and I didn't have the conversation about the Ontario government in hitting their pause button. uh, Labeled uh, a bunch of sports and leagues around the province elite. One of the leagues they didn't name among the group was the OUA and the OCAA. So what they did was say that high school basketball at the prep level, which I am not tripping on because they are all very good players looking for scholarships down south, and I understand that. But what they did say was high school basketball was elite, but college and university basketball was not elite. Can you make any sense of what is going on here with this story about the OUA attempting to prove that it's elite? My grandmother once told me, you can't make sense out of nonsense. And this entire thing is an abacle and it's nonsense. And, you know, one of the mentions uh, that I saw, uh, because myself, yourself, many people were upset about this was, well, you know, this is about profit. And the, the government is going to put forth things that or make profit. And so some of the things that are put forth, CHL certainly, um, even if you want to argue that, you know, high school basketball at that level uh, in Ontario is a for-profit business. You want to have that conversation? Sure. But can we put the list back up? I'm sorry. People making money off of under-19 baseball nowadays? Is women's under-18 that lacrosse i'm assuming that's field lacrosse not box cross uh is that a money maker so this list to me means these are people who have connections to the decision makers and thus we're just going to make up a list to keep our friends happy because how the majority of these leagues including by the way the chl have players playing in the oua after they play in these leagues and they're elite and the oua is not elite that makes no sense furthermore When you look at the Summer Olympics that just passed, 
When you look at the upcoming Winter Olympics and you look at the amount of not just university sport athletes, administrators, coaches, trainers, but OUA athletes, administrators, coaches, trainers. Sounds pretty elite to me on a world stage representing our country. So like many things with this current phase, with the entire pandemic, with the handling it of it in this province, and, and quite frankly, in some cases around the country, there is no sense, there is no logic. Things are being done to make some people happy. And ultimately, if we're talking about the OUA, a group that has followed all of the protocol, got through their fall season without incident and handed out championships and has said at every turn, we, we are we're about sports. We, we like clear rules and defined understanding. And then we'll be evaluated, just like the athletes on the field. Let us know what we need to do and we will reach that level. Never got that information. Here we are with a bunch of student athletes sitting at home, not only you know from, from school and online school, but also their escape in terms of being able to be an athlete, that's taken away from them. They can't even train, never mind play. A lot of people are hurt. A lot of people are missing things. I don't want to make this seem like this is the most egregious case that we've had over the last two-something years, but it still doesn't make any logical sense. Uh, I, I reached out to a couple of different people. There was no process that the OUA knew about. Uh, to be deemed elite, and I've reached out to the government to see if they had some sort of process and got nothing in response as of yet on how these leagues were deemed elite and the OUA wasn't deemed elite. But here we are, and I think all the OUA wants is to be able to train. Like, I don't even think they're asking to play games. I think they want to be able to train in preparation for their season resuming. Uh, which is what's happening in Quebec right now. Everyone's on pause, and they're able to return a little bit earlier as of right now. It's just, to me, it's always about the hypocrisy, right? Like, if you're just clear and upfront with how things take place, then less people will be pissed off. But it just seems like we're throwing bleep against the wall, and we're not learning from the past. Like, to go through this is tough enough. To not learn from it is catastrophic on so many different levels, not just sports. So I'm glad you put it that way, and hopefully we can get this done for the OUA sooner rather than later. Uh, we have to take one more break. Would you stick around for last call, Donovan? It saves me from parenting my child, so sure. <laughs> <laughs> it might be too soon, so be careful. <laughs> True. Donovan Bennett uh, and I and Jesse Rubinoff, a little, little last call. And he might need it very soon. Longtime Tim and Citizen slash Tim and Friend Daniel Ruiz writes in and says, I remember you and Sid Sixero hosted the Fan 590 12, uh, 2012 Olympic Extravaganza. You, Donovan Bennett, 100% should host a Tim and Friends New Year's Extravaganza. Hashtag Tim and Friends get Cabby, Famous Sheepdogs, Dallas Green, Nate Burleson, etc. I don't know if we have the money to get that. <laughs> I don't know if we have the money to get that done. But uh, it sounds like a great idea. I'll do whatever I want that night then. You guys handle it. No, you were in there. Oh, was I? Yeah. I'm so sensitive. Yeah, you were very sensitive. Yeah. Mr. Thinskin over there. Uh, you want to get some uh, Bruce Arians? Arian, what's this? Bruce Arians careful responses? Careful with that one, yeah. So it's hard. There's a lot of S's <laughs> yeah, in there. Be careful with uh, that So one. we posted, what does Bruce Arians do for a living? Uh, wrong answers only. Which is too good. Norman starts us off with mind sweeping while duck hunting. Um, Patty. 
builds motorcycles and yells at kids at his kids Orange County, New York. Andrew Webster, Webby, sells guns. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Daughter, Daughterman laughing. Steve Dangle, it's not a job, but he's the love child of John Cena and Facebook. Fin <laughs> <laughs> Fan Mike sells propane and propane accessories. Okay, you can't just find other people in the world or characters. Gary, right. NASCAR mechanic. Right. <laughs> Andrew Pontoon Boat Tours. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't like a pontoon boat, by the oh, way? I love pontoon boats. Yeah. John Young. Uh, I don't know, but he doesn't look like somebody I trust. <laughs> okay. Good. Uh, Brandon, professional paintballer. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I like that one. Uh, Foz collects lost golf balls from the brush at courses and sells them by the dozen in egg cartons. Yeah, that's very good. Yeah, those are good. I got one from Graham. Sells Harmon and Carton speakers out of his van in a Walmart parking lot. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever had that happen to you, but uh, uh, and Becky writes in and says, owner-operator of an 18-wheeler moonlights as trophy hunting guide for endangered animals. This is so good. <laughs> I feel like nothing gets the people going, like a wrong answer's only. <laughs> yeah, it it's seems like a go-to, yeah. Yeah, especially when you're dressed like that. Uh, Donovan Bennett's still here. Donovan, do you, do you have a favorite in any of those, or do you want to move on to last call? Oh, the golf balls, Ed Carter. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. level of detail, specificity, yeah. I could I could visually yeah. see it. We've all seen that guy. That, yeah. That's the winner. I think the specifics make those answers. That, For me, yeah. it's yeah. always about how specific you can get. Yeah. Uh, okay, moving on with last call. We got a happy anniversary today. Not to you or Donovan, but it's to the double doink. Three years ago today, Bears kicker Cody Parkey's field goal was partially blocked hit an upright, then the crossbar, before falling out. Eagles win the game. Uh, Deej, question is for you. Somehow, some way, was this Matt Nagy's fault? <laughs> Probably. But why is this a happy anniversary? Maybe it's happy for Eagles fans and super producer Jason Peter Sands, but that's a sad anniversary, is it not? If you're a Bears fan, without a doubt, that it, I think it's just the moment and the heartbreak and how it personifies what it's been to be a Bears fan since basically Walter Payton walked out the door. With all due respect to Peanut Tillman. This guy this guy and that team was they've been pretty good. This guy's gone, right? That's I think that's the nuts and bolts of this answer. He knows he's gone. He's gone. <laughs> We're all in agreement. He's gone. Uh, okay, the final week of the NFL regular season, which uh, Matt Nagy probably going to be fired right after. Uh, it's around the corner, and that means crazy playoff scenarios. The Raiders and Chargers wrap up the week on Sunday Night Football. We mentioned their situation earlier this week, but this tweet was from Adam Beasley of Pro Football Network. Sums it up pretty well. Here's something totally bonkers. If the Colts lose to the Jaguars on Sunday, the Raiders and Chargers would both get in with a tie. Literally, there would be no motivation for either team to do anything other than kneel it out 15 times each. Timmy, would two NFL teams ever agree to actually do something? No, but if by chance they got into a point late in the game where it could go to overtime, you might get that situation. Like, there's no chance they play an entire game where they're just kneeling. I Oh, Donovan. Don, I can see the side eye already. You think that they would kneel out the clock and just shake hands and go to the postseason? You play to win the game. Hello? Oh, I see. I you don't see. just play it to I play see. it. 
You play to win. <laughs> no, I just listen. I just wanted to impersonate Herm Edwards on you national TV. I, the, listen, the math is wrong. Oh yes, much better. Much better. Him actually doing is much better than me doing no, it. No, it is uh, pretty good. An echoey basement. The math is wrong. Fifteen kneels. Yeah. You need many more than that. Like, what are we, <laughs> like what are we doing? Hundred kneels. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure if Mike McCarthy is doing his time management, but you need more than. If it went days. by chance to overtime, like, would you just see a punt fest? Uh, listen, it, give me a reason why you both sides wouldn't do that from the beginning of the game. Rest your players. Get to the playoffs. You play to get to the postseason. I, I'm not saying the league would love it, and everyone's saying, "Oh, well, the Sunday Colts night football would love it." Even though, even, oh my goodness! And there's and another imagine <laughs> if, if this is like a survivor question, where hey, do you want to take me to the end, or you know, should we just go at each other right now? I, I can't fathom it actually happening, but it should happen. The whole goal is to make it to the postseason, not to have the moral victory of playing hard and one of us missing it. Um, there's a better chance let's, of the, the, the tie than the Jags beating the Colts anyway. Yeah, I was just going to say, let's be honest. The, the, the Jags are not going to beat the Colts anyway, so it's irrelevant. But if they do, I've got $5 on it that pays $2,000. <laughs> Love it. Uh, okay, last weekend the Eagles beat the football team in Washington after the game Philly fans in the stands uh, cheered on Jalen Hurts, but got closer than expected as a railing collapsed and sent some fans tumbling Can't to the feet of the hurt. Eagles quarterback. Yes, luckily for the fans, everyone was okay. Luckily for the Eagles, Jalen Hurts was okay. And they even got a photo out of it. Uh, Tuesday, Hurts responded to that incident uh, with a tweet. Uh, he sent a letter to the Washington football team and the NFL uh, today asking what kind of follow-up is being considered. That was on Tuesday after a railing at FedEx Field collapsed Sunday night, sending fans tumbling and nearly hitting, hitting him. So uh, the last I know of is that the Washington football team president had actually responded in an email. We don't have a copy of that. But your thoughts on uh, Jalen Hurts asking for a change in the Washington football team building? Because we, we have seen earlier in the year, getting, I think there was like sewage. Getting, is the answer getting lined on him? Yeah, sewage was raining down on fans in week one, I think. So they got a lot of changes. Get, like get in line. And for how long has that line been forming since they were the uh, since they were the Washington blanks is how long that line's been forming. Jalen, it's taken them two years to change their name. Right? <laughs> Dan Snyder is still the owner. Like, we, there's yeah. a long list in the queue of things they need to fix. You know, yeah. Section 31 railing is far down that list. You mentioned it, Tim. I got to so cut you. I got to cut you. We're at five. We're at four. I got to I'm sorry. It's so rude. Bye, Donovan. Good luck with the child. Good luck with the child. Good luck with it.